Good morning, Woodmont. Uh, welcome to our first Sunday of Woodmont Live at 945. We've never done this before. Uh, this is our uh, first chance to have worship uh, here from the sanctuary live uh, with a very uh, skeletal crew. I want to thank Matt Diffenderfer and his team for getting this together. And this is the third week uh, that we have not been able to have church because of the coronavirus uh, but we're doing the best we can to get the messages and the resources out to you. And now we're trying to uh, allow you to worship live from your home uh, on Sunday mornings. We're continuing our sermon series through the Gospel of John. And so this morning I'm going to read to you from John chapter 18, verses 28 to 38. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death that he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? And Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, as we continue this series on John's gospel, open our hearts and minds and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been making our way through John's gospel ever since January. We are now into the part that is known as the passion narrative. Uh, the Last Supper has taken place in the upper room. Jesus has been betrayed by Judas, arrested, and he's been brought before the high priests. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, has betrayed him, not once, not twice, but three times, just as Jesus had predicted. And in our passage this morning, Jesus is brought before Pontius Pilate. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds to this by saying, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, then my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Jesus goes on to say that he came into the world to testify to the truth. And then at the very end of this passage, Pilate asks a very deeply profound question. What is truth? Back on Ash Wednesday, which now seems like it was a really long time ago, I mentioned a book that was written by Nashvilleian John Meacham titled The Hope of Glory, where he reflects upon the seven last words of Christ on the cross. 
It's a good book if you're looking for something to read during this time of quarantine and social distancing. But uh, in the book, Meacham says, for Christians, the central truth of existence, or our ultimate concern, to use a phrase of Paul Tillich, is captured in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Without Good Friday, there is no Easter. Without Easter, there is no deliverance from evil. Without deliverance from evil, there is no victory of light over dark and love over hate, of life over death. But Meacham refers to this question of Pilate, what is the truth? Because the truth is we live in a culture where people argue over what the truth is. We, we can't agree on it. We, 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 we fight about it. We, we, we say that's not true. That's not true. And everybody has a different idea of what they think is the truth. But Meacham says this. He says, we kneel before the cross in homage to self-giving love, and the cross should serve as both rebuke and reminder a rebuke to the world for its vanities and sins, and a reminder that at the center of the Christian story lies love, not hate, grace, not rage, mercy, not vengeance. This is at least one answer to Pilate's question about truth. How are you finding the truth during this pandemic? There's a lot of spin. There's a lot of opinions out there. There's a lot of people telling us what we can and, and cannot do or, or, or what we should and should not do. You know, I've been thinking a lot about people who battle with addiction uh, or mental illness during this time because this has made that so much more difficult. Uh, people who have addiction, alcoholism, uh, drug addiction, people who suffer from depression, um, this has made that more challenging. And this is hard on everybody, but especially for folks that have those kind of battles. Here are some of the truths that we know about the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. It seems to have originated in Wuhan, China, but has now made its way to every continent across the globe. COVID-19 is highly contagious and can become deadly to people who have pre-existing medical conditions or autoimmune disorders. Uh, seniors are particularly at risk. One of the best ways to slow it down is to do social distancing, to intentionally stay at home so that we will not infect uh, other people uh, or get around those who have it. Many people who suffer from this illness are actually asymptomatic. They do not have symptoms, and so they can spread it without even knowing that they have it. Symptoms include a fever, a dry cough, respiratory problems, uh, feeling like you have the flu. We also know that coronavirus cases are concentrated densely in certain urban populations like New York um, and Los Angeles, New Orleans, and now Chicago and, and Detroit. So we've all been bombarded with facts and opinions about this virus and how we should behave in the face of it. But there was a, 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 an article that appeared in the New York Times this week, written by Tom Friedman, that really caused me to think. Uh, Friedman wrote an article that was titled Finding the Common Good During a Pandemic. And he said, America today is engaged in a deep and broad philosophical ethical debate unlike anything in our history. It's a debate about what is the common good in the midst of a pandemic. The article's worth reading. Friedman basically says that there are two different positions or narratives that have been emerging during this time. The first narrative sounds something like this. The coronavirus is a deadly pandemic that spreads rapidly from person to person. And since there is no vaccine at this time, the only way to effectively slow it down is to do social distancing. 
we must stay in our homes, bring our kids home from school, which has been very interesting for those of us who have children, and we've now become the teachers. Restaurants must close down except for takeout food. Stores must close and businesses must close. If we don't do this for a certain period of time, then based on what we're seeing in other countries and in other states, the number of cases will continue to grow rapidly, hospitals will be overwhelmed and people will die because we will not have enough equipment and enough physicians to take care of them. In this first perspective, there is an intense debate going on as to how long we need to do this. Some people say a couple of weeks, other people are saying a couple of months, but most agree that it must happen for some period of time for the common good, despite the economic circumstances. Friedman interviews a well-known Harvard philosopher named Michael Sandel, who says the following about the common good. He says, the common good is about how we live together in community. It's about the ethical ideals that we strive for together, the benefits and burdens that we share, the sacrifices that we make for one another. It's about the lessons that we learn from one another about how to live a good and decent life. And so many are arguing that, that for the common good, we have to shut things down until we can get a handle on the numbers. But there's another perspective, another narrative that's been emerging, especially as the economic realities have been sinking in. This perspective is paying attention to the markets that have dropped and businesses that have closed and employees that have been laid off. And people are starting to really struggle. 3.2 million people filed for unemployment this week. The people pushing this perspective, they don't deny the value of human life. They believe that social distancing can still be done, but that our economy is not built to shut down for a few months. There is a ripple effect, a domino effect, and the longer this goes on, the more people feel the pain. This perspective says that we can socially distance ourselves and, and shelter in place for a little while, but sooner rather than later, we need to get back to work. Otherwise, we will have both a health pandemic and an economic disaster on our hands. And so leaders on the local, state, and national level are having to balance these two competing factors, these two narratives, and they all need our prayers because this is not easy. Now, I'm not sure where you fall in this debate, if there's one that you support over the other. I've talked to multiple people this week who support each one and are very passionate. Some say we have to stay apart as long as it takes, and others say we can't do this much longer. We have to get back to work. My wife, Megan, is a physician, and so I've talked to her a lot about this. And right now, she thinks that we need to listen to the medical experts so that we can limit the number of cases. And this week, all of us have read articles that are painting pictures of worst-case scenarios uh, where the numbers swell up and hospitals can't manage it. And some people say that, that that is inevitable, that that's going to happen. So what's the truth in all of this? Christians should be passionate about advocating for the common good, but what does that look like right now? What is Christ calling us to do as his followers in the midst of this situation? There's no doubt in my mind that Christ is calling us to have compassion for all people, regardless of how they feel right now. Compassion for the people who are sick, battling COVID-19. Compassion for people who are afraid. Compassion for people who are uh, older and at higher risk, whose lives will be in jeopardy if they get this virus. Compassion for people who have lost their jobs and don't know how they're gonna provide for their families right now. I have anxiety as a pastor. 
You know, a church can only go so many weeks without holding worship, without having an offering uh, before it can't pay its bills anymore. And so uh, we feel this uh, on a church level and, and, and it's hard. It's difficult. I would encourage you this morning in light of all that's happening in our world to seek the truth, to pray and find out what God might be saying to you right now. This is a reset of sorts. Nothing like this has ever happened before. And we really don't know what the coming days and what the coming weeks are going to hold. We are living in this together as best we can, which was our message last Sunday. It's the difficult times of life that form us and that make us who we are. Paul writes to the Romans that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. But what are we doing right now to spread hope to other people? What are we doing right now to calm other people down and let them know that that everything is going to be okay? Anything that we go through in life, no matter how bad, has a silver lining. There is good that can be found in it. Think about the passion story. Uh, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus was executed on a cross. His disciples thought it was over, but God did not let that have the final word. God never lets death and destruction and despair and fear have the final word. Do we believe that? And can we remember that during these difficult days? Bill Gates, who's the founder of Microsoft and one of the world's wealthiest men. He's been interviewed a lot recently about the coronavirus. Bill Gates has been talking about the the threat of a pandemic to our nation and our world for many years. Uh, But this past week, he gave a speech, and the speech has been widely circulated because this is what Gates said in the speech. He says, you know, I believe that there is a spiritual purpose behind everything in life, including COVID-19. And so what are the things that we can learn during this virus, during this time of quarantine, during this time of having to stay apart from each other. And I want to share some of what Gates said. He said, it's reminding all of us that we're all equal, regardless of our culture, religion, occupation, our financial situation, or how famous we are. This disease treats us all equally, and so perhaps we should do the same. It's reminding us that we are all connected to something We're all connected because something that affects one of us affects all of us. And this virus, it doesn't need a passport. It's reminding us that by oppressing us for a short time, there are those in the world who are oppressed all the time and who have to battle illnesses and pandemics all the time. And we're getting a a taste of what that's like. It's reminding us of how precious our health is and how we have moved to neglect it through eating nutrient-poor manufactured food and drinking water that's contaminated with chemicals upon chemicals. And if we don't look after our health, then we will, of course, get sick. It's reminding us of the shortness of life and of what is most important for us to do, which is to to help each other, especially those who are older and who are already sick. It's reminding us of how materialistic our society has become and how when in times of difficulty, we remember that it's the essentials that we need It's food, it's water, it's medicine, it's shelter, as opposed to all the luxuries that we sometimes think are most important. It's reminding us of how important our family and home life is and how much we have neglected this. It's forcing us back into our houses so we can rebuild them into homes and we can strengthen our family unit and be present with our family members. It's reminding us that our true work is not our job, 
That is what we do, not what we are created to do. Our true work is to look after each other, to protect each other, and to be of benefit to each other. It's reminding us to keep our egos in check. It's reminding us that no matter how great we think we are or how great others think we are, a virus can bring our world to a dead standstill, and it has. It's reminding us of the power of free will and how it's in our hands. And we can choose to cooperate and help each other, to share, to give, and to support each other. Or we can choose to be selfish and to hoard and to look after only ourselves. And indeed, it's difficult times that often bring out the true colors in people. It's reminding us that we can be patient or we can panic. We can either understand that this type of situation has happened before in history and it will pass, or we can panic and see it as the end of the world and consequently cause ourselves more harm than good. It's reminding us that this can either be an end or a new beginning. This can be a time of reflection and understanding where we can learn from our mistakes, or it can be the start of a cycle where we will continue until we finally give up and learn the lessons that we need to learn. It's reminding us that, that, that the earth is sick. It's reminding us that we need to look at the rate of, 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 of how we haven't been caring for creation. And, and we need to, uh, to think about this as we move forward. It's reminding us that after every difficulty, there's always ease and life is cyclical. And this is a phase that we're going through but we don't need to panic because it's going to pass. And he said, you know, some people might see coronavirus as a great disaster, but Gates said, I prefer to see it as a great corrector. It is sent to remind us of the important lessons that we seem to have so quickly forgotten, and it's up to us if we will learn them or not. You know, there's a lot of truth in those words. What are we going to learn what are we going to focus on during these days? I mean, we, we can't do life the same way that we've always done it. It has to be different. I hope that in these uncertain times, we can remember that question that Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And how do we seek the truth? And how do we live the truth? And how do we find the truth? And how do we live our lives in a way that is in the best interest of the common good. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, these are uncertain times and all of us are seeking the truth to the best of our ability. As we continue to make our way through this pandemic, Lord, we pray for the medical folks that are working on the front lines, the doctors, the nurses, those at the hospitals. We pray for those who are sick and who are battling some for their lives. We pray for those who are trying to get medical equipment to different states and different locations. And we pray for our leaders, our mayor, our governor, our president, as they seek to make hard decisions in these trying times. Lord, teach all of us to seek the truth in our lives and seek all of us to do whatever we can to live and to support the common good. In Christ's name, amen.